Welcome back, everybody, to the Rooted and Logos podcast, episode number 85. My name is Brad, joined as always by my dear friend, Austin. Austin, how are you doing this wonderful, glorious, cold January morning? I'm definitely awake. And I'm definitely here, and those are the two definites that I do know. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I'm good. All good. Yeah, <laughs> so we are back after taking a week off. Just uh, had some scheduling snafus, no big deal, but just... That's my bad. It's all good. It's it, all my bad. I've done it before, so like we're, we are back and ready to roll through the second part of 1 Timothy chapter 2. Mm-hmm. And just for time's sake and, and for, you know... Well, I do have a joke I want to say first. Not a joke, but a story. So, did you hear about the NHL player who is under fire for not wearing a gay pride jersey during his uh, during this team's game? Mm-mm, no. no. Yeah, I don't know this guy's name. I can't really pronounce it because he's a hockey player, and they're hard to pronounce their names. But the Babylon Bee did a article, and I wanted to just kind of read the headline to you because it made me think of you when I oh, no. read it. <laughs> And it's hilarious. What the Babylon Bee said is is they did this satirical article about this hockey player who basically said something to the effect of, if I wanted to celebrate and support the gay community, I would play soccer. Ooh. And I thought of Austin because Austin likes soccer. I do. I don't fully understand why, but he does, and that's okay. But I was like, that's hilarious. And Apparently, you've never seen a real soccer game. I have. Though. I've been to, I, 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 you know, honestly, I played soccer for a little while. Indoor soccer. You you have not but. seen a real soccer game. <laughs> so rare at this point, but very cool to see someone stand up and say, look, I'm not giving in to oh, this. Yeah. I'm not pledging undying loyalty and fealty to this cause and to the alphabet people. Like, I'm oh, just yeah. not doing it. Yeah. So, I'm I'm glad to see that, but read the Babylon Bee if you don't. It's hilarious. Their headlines, their stories, very well written articles. That if you don't realize what you're reading, you're like, "Boy, that really happened." Yeah, because they're well written. They're really humorous, really funny. So go check those uh, articles out because they're they're fantastic. But the <laughs> NHL player is is a pretty cool story, just on its own, like the real story where he's actually standing up saying, "Look, I'm not I'm not doing this. Why Why are we doing this?" Yeah. Why is this such an important thing anymore to, right. to make sure we support all of this and affirm it? just play my sport, dude. Like, yeah. You know? You you know? <laughs> I don't know if he's Canadian or not. He probably is. Probably is. Yeah. 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 Or Russian. Isn't, that hockey, isn't hockey still big there? It might be. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. All right. First, uh, first Timothy. <laughs> Chapter 2. <laughs> so if you haven't listened to the first part of Chapter 2, go back. Stop right here. Go back and listen to the first part because... You know, the Bible's meant to be read, you know, in order, essentially, with when it comes to the, the chapters and letters, at least, at right? Least, yeah. Like, you know, you need to read verses 1 through 7 to understand kind of what's going on in verses 8 through 15. Mm-hmm. But we're going to go through 8 through 15, because we stopped at verse 7 last week, or two weeks ago, and we are going to dive in and get into the weeds a little bit. And we're going to try to do this in a timely fashion. So we'll see how that goes, because you know how we are. That's true. That is true. <laughs> All right. I'm going to go ahead and read 1 Timothy 2, verses 8 through 15, and then we will uh, dive in. This is, again, Paul writing to Timothy, hence the name of the book, 1 Timothy. It's the first time Paul has written to Timothy. Again, 1 Timothy. Very clever with the names. <laughs> I desire then 
that in every place the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. Likewise, also that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair or gold, braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire, but with what is proper for women to profess godliness with good works. Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. For Adam is, was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Yet she will be saved through childbearing, if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. Well, there it is. A very <laughs> countercultural message in today's society. Yes. A message that makes the progressives cringe, mm-hmm. makes the feminist yell and throw things. What do we do with this? Yell at Paul and call him a sexist and don't mm. listen to anything Paul has to say. He was, he was an, a known misogynist, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, hated, hated him. Oh, yeah. Hated him. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Right. That's it. That's all you need to know. <laughs> no. No, no, no. You dummies. You dummies. No. So, just starting in verse 8. I desire then that in every place the men should pray. Stop in there. All right. So, for one, look just looking at church as a whole, especially today, pointing out the fact that we just need more men to be praying. We need more men to be openly praying um, within, throughout the church, around the church, we kind of see this, or we've seen this shift, where, I mean, there's just statistics out there and everything about, you know, how more of the women and the, and the mm-hmm. wife is taking the whole family to church, and the men's are sta- men are staying home, or the men are being drugged to church. I, I have been seeing a shift. I've been seeing a lot more men willing to come and wanting to come, which has been super cool. I'd like to keep seeing that increase. Of course. Um, but the fact of the matter of just having men leading, having men being elders, having men being pastors, having men actually leading their house the way that they're supposed to and praying, it should be something that we're doing all the time. Of course. And in every place, it's, it's not even talking it. We're not talking about just church here. We're talking about everywhere and being able to pray, lifting our holy hands okay what what does that mean so should pray lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling so a couple things here one lifting a holy hand is implying that your hands are holy okay well what what makes us holy well christ has made us holy and having the holy spirit within us but also living a holy life okay exactly We, we are implementing everything that we have been told to do we're obeying it's not a necessarily a physical posture of lifting your hands right Right. like i mean that's there's nothing wrong with that Mm -hmm. but it's not a physical posture that paul is talking about here it's holy being that standard that god has set for us as his children and hands being kind of where our works take place right the works of our hands and how we accomplish a lot of the things that we you know, are doing for the kingdom. And and so it's making sure we have, like Austin just said, a holy life. Yeah. And, and what do we do when we lift things up? We're presenting them to the Lord. We're presenting our life to the Lord and we're praying 
going back to the beginning of the chapter, for all people. We're praying for all people. We're praying for our leaders. We're praying for the kings, the presidents. But we're lifting our holy hands as holy individuals made holy by God, but also trying to live a holy life and presenting it back to God and saying, Lord, thank you for this, for you have given this to me. But why is he speaking to the men here instead of men and women? Because shouldn't women be also doing the same thing as in lifting their holy their hands to God, saying, you have made me holy, I am trying to live a holy life? Well, yeah, yeah, they are. We see that all throughout Scripture. But he is pointing out the roles, as we see a little bit later. This is not cultural. If it were cultural, he would not be pointing back to creation. So it is very important for the men, men, man, to be lifting holy hands, to be doing this. And again, it's not just for you. It's for your whole family. Right. You, you are covering your family with your responsibility with, with all this. Getting into the side of this is scripture, okay? Yes, when Paul says, I desire, are we then to look at everything that Paul says and think, okay, well, this is just Paul. That's, this, isn't, this isn't God speaking. This is just Paul. Okay, okay, but is it in the Bible? Well, yeah. Okay, then it is God speaking. Well, no, because it's Paul. Well, no, if as soon as you say that, you've just degraded Scripture. The entirety of Scripture. The entirety of the Bible you've thrown out because therefore it's null and void. Why? It, because you're saying when Paul says, I desire, that's not Scripture. Therefore, this is not infallible. It's exactly right, it, and that is the problem with all of this progressiveness, and, and we talk about this so much, and we say it every episode, it'd be a really bad drinking game to say every, every time you ever take a, a, a swig every time Brad says progressive church or progressive <laughs> Christianity or wokeness, whatever, but it's such a prevalent thing right now, and so in the progressive movement and in the woke movement, it is picking and choosing what you want out of the Bible. Yes. Well, if you start doing that, you have then said, well, why in the world would I listen to anything? If this part is not true, if this part, right now specifically, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 through 15, if for some reason that part of Scripture is not valid, then why in the world would we listen to any other part of Scripture? Right. Because if one thing is tainted, the whole thing is bad. Yeah. It, yeah. It's this analogy my grandma used to use about poop. Uh, <laughs> okay. If, if, if someone's making brownies... And they put a little bit of dog poop in the brownies. It's not not a lot, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Just a little part of it's bad. Are you going to eat any of the brownies? No. No. No, No, you're not, because all of it's bad. You keep that. You keep the brownies. Keep the poop. So if this is poop, then the whole Bible is is, is useless. And, And that cannot be the position Christians hold. It can't. Yeah, it cannot. To, to be a Christian, to say that, oh, this part of Scripture is not good, I don't like it, everything else is fine, that doesn't work. Also, too, going back to your point on men coming to church and, and taking, bringing their families to church, it's so apparent, and, and it's apparent even outside the church, that where the dad goes, the family follows. Yes. And so if the dad isn't going to church, yes, I do believe it does fall on the, on the mom to bring their kids and bring their families to church. They do not need to just say, oh, well, I'm not going to go because my husband won't come. Right. That, that can't be the attitude either. 
But it is so much healthier for the marriage, for the family, and for the church as a whole if everyone is involved. And it's better. And the marriage will be stronger. And the relationship with the kids will be stronger, right? But you look at you look at even outside the church, and you look at the, the fatherless home epidemic that we face in this country where men are just not being men. What happens to those kids? A really big majority of those kids end up in poverty, teenage pregnancies, in jail, Yeah, if they don't have a dad. That is the number one indicator for poverty, Yeah, is did you have a father in the home, an active father in the home? And there are heavy statistics for that. Absolutely. That is, that is not even Bible-based. That is, that is just life-based. It's not even debatable. Like it's it, not debatable. It, it's there. Don't it is the up. number one indicator of generational poverty. Yeah. Is did, they, did you have a father active in your life? understand there are divorced parents. I understand, but that father can still be active, right? I understand that. Look, my parents are divorced. Still have active dad. Still have an active mom. So that's not the way God designed the family to to have divorced parents. But you know what? There is forgiveness. There's grace. There's mercy. Yes. And there is a way out of that. Yes. Men do not neglect your responsibility. Period. That's what it says. Yeah. Um, so real quick, get, getting back to the desire, okay, the word desire, we see another desire word just a little, little bit earlier, okay, so in verse 4, we are speaking of who desires all people to be saved, hmm. okay, speaking about God's desire, but then we get to this one, it's speaking about Paul's desire, and it is two different words, two different Greek words, so the Greek word in verse 8, for I desire, is bolomahi, bolomahi, or bolomahi, whatever, uh, speaking to truly a will and intent, as in I desire for you to do this, as in I intend you are going to do this, whereas the scripture, or the the Greek word for when God desires is ethelo. And that is more of the, like Matthew Henry was speaking of, willing but not a will that he is going to affect. As truly, I, I want this to happen, but I'm not going to affect it. So, two, two different words here. This one that Paul is using, it is not a, I desire for you to do it, but, you know, if you don't do it, it, does, it really doesn't matter. It's like, no, Paul is saying, I desire for you to do this, as in, I, I, you need to do this. You have to do this. Right. Men are to pray in all places. Lifting holy hands, lifting a holy life, living a holy life. He's not just talking about prayer and lifting your hands. He's telling them as men, live a holy life. That way you can pray lifting holy hands. If you don't, this, this part, there's no point. Right. So without anger or quarreling. Again, just pointing back to a holy life. As a man, men deal with anger more so than women. That's statistical as well. But just forgetting numbers, looking at scripture. Men were built a different way. Men and women are different. They are. Men. The horror of that statement. Right? right. If we're not canceled by tomorrow, we're not doing something <laughs> right. No, it's men were built. God built us a different way. A lot of it, I, I look just at the physical aspect of fighting and war and the defense. You know, 
when scripture also says to be angry. You know, anger is an emotion that God has given us. Um, a lot of it is for defense. W- what happens when we get angry? Well, we get defensive. And the point being is not sinning in your anger. But when you get angry, you start to quarrel. So that, I mean, literally it's right next to each other without anger or quarreling. So to be angry, but without sinning in your anger and to not quarrel with each other. Okay. One with other men, two men and women. Don't, don't be quarreling with your wife. And it's about unity within the church too. I think being unified in the church to, to not have this backbiting, not have this, Oh, he said, she said nonsense, like no disjointedness within the body. Because that is how the church stands up to the culture, is by a unified body of believers that are not angry, that are not bitter, that are not gossiping about each other, that are not going behind each other's backs and causing strife and dissension. It is a unifying principle that uh, Paul is talking about here. Yes, yes. I mean, Scripture talks about not having a quarreling spirit. We, we are not to quarrel. Verse 9. Verse 9. Likewise also, that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel, with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire. All right, stopping there. Okay, Paul, why are you just hounding on women? Why are you just pointing out women? Why aren't you pointing out the faults of men? Okay, <clears throat> valid. Okay, I get that. And he does. Throughout the rest of scripture. Yeah. And it's not just, it's not a tit for tat. It's not, okay, if you say something about women now, you have to say something about men. And Paul's not working under Title IX. No. If you know what that reference is. This is not an equality. (laughs) This is not fairness. If you have truly read scripture, you know that nothing is fair. Life is not fair. Nothing is fair. But he, he is pointing out things when he sees them. When he sees something that men are doing, literally, he actually just did. He just pointed out to the men that they're supposed to be praying, and they're not. Just pointed out that they're supposed to be living holy lives, and they're not. So that's why he says, I desire, I intend for you to do this. Now do it. Well, and and you you look, there's a note I read here from MacArthur that, that basically says that the women in the church at this point were living impure and self centered lives. And that was infiltrating into the church, and it was becoming an issue inside the church where the women were becoming distractions inside the church. And so Paul wants Timothy to address this, and he does so for the next few verses here. Yeah. So, uh, verse 9, women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel with modesty and self-control. So you look at at the Greek word for adorn, it it means to arrange, to put in order, or to make ready. So, a woman is to uh, arrange herself appropriately for the worship service, which includes wearing decent clothing, which reflects a properly adorned and chaste heart. And so, you know, I read this, and and you kind of unpack it, and I think it's kind of simple. Don't be a distraction with what you're wearing. Yes. And that can go a couple different ways. It can go with just gaudy, over-the-top jewelry and and flashiness and just showing off my money, you know, can't hide money, that sort of mentality. And it could be modesty or immodesty, right? Fighting against immodest clothing, fighting against clothing that accentuates 
certain parts of the body mm-hmm. and, and cause attention or, or draws attention to certain parts of the body that men enjoy and enjoy yep. looking at. Because, I mean, again, we all have our flaws. Men are very visual and, and yep. men like what they look at, right? Yep. And so when you're wearing clothing that is, you know, you're coming into worship service wearing clothing that, that draws people's eyes to certain parts that men like to look at, that's an issue. It's, an, it's a distraction. Now, granted, I can hear it now. Well, you got to train boys not to look at that. Okay, yes, like, absolutely, Agreed. men need to be exercise self-control, mm-hmm. and I've said before on this, I've quoted that song from Casting Crowns numerous times, God's got to change your heart before he changes her shirt, Yeah. right? And so that, so we're not even saying that either, where an unbeliever comes in dressed like that, and you have to be all up in arms about it. Yeah. Paul's talking to Christian women, right? Mm-hmm. He's talking to women who profess faith in Christ yes. and are coming to worship Christ. Christ. He is not talking to the unbeliever who is looking for answers. He's not talking about that. So don't hear what I'm not saying, okay? We we don't chastise and and throw rocks at, you know, a girl who comes in dressed maybe a little provocatively for church. Okay, let's talk about her heart. Let's not talk about what she's wearing. But to the women who are there as believers, as professing believers who are wanting to live holy lives and, and worship a holy God in that moment... Don't be a distraction. Yeah, yeah. Don't 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 be a distraction with your jewelry, with your gaudy attire, or with your inappropriate attire. Yeah, almost said a different word. It's <laughs> probably not great. That's not good. Yeah, so inappropriate, <laughs> that, and that's it. That that is the word inappropriate, especially for church. Now, as a woman who's proclaiming faith, if you are going to church dressed respectfully, but then you're going into the world not dressed respectfully. Also an issue. Also an issue. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And again, we go back to, well, why is Paul singling out women? Well, men are supposed to be dressing respectfully, too. Well, yes, they are. Um, here it's implied that they're supposed to be doing that because if they weren't, they would not be living a holy life. Therefore, they would not be able to pray lifting holy hands. So, yes, there is an issue with men, too. Sure. But the point is he is looking at women right now. That is what we're addressing. And just just what Brad was saying is being able to, as a woman, go going into church dressed respectfully. And sure, we could get into, okay, what does that mean? Are you supposed to wear a dress that goes and covers your ankle? Well, well it doesn't cover your ankle. What about the guys who <clears throat> like ankles? Well, okay, we're not talking. We're not actually talking about that. It's <laughs> oh boy, that ankle got me all hot and bothered. Exactly. Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> By no means. Um. I, I, I like what you, you pointed out earlier about talking about unbelievers that are just now believers that are coming into a church. Now, also, looking at our <clears throat> church age, where we are all about inviting non-believers to mm-hmm. church. So now we have a church mixed between believers and unbelievers. Therefore, it's not a complete body of Christ. So now you take a professing Christian woman who comes into the church dressed immodestly, for one, you're being a distraction to the professing Christian men, but also to the brand new believers coming in, okay? As a brand new man-believing person coming into a church, you are now a stumbling stone for that person. And you cannot expect them to, to be like 
like myself that has been raised in the church, that has been raised to respect women, raised to negate my eyes. And And have that self-control. Have that self-control, the one that I am teaching my son to do as well. But these are men that have lived a worldly life, and God has has changed them and is changing them, but you cannot expect them to do that overnight. Of course. And so now... The, the, it, the power of sin and in, in our sin nature and it, it is so strong. Yeah. It, it is every fiber of our being wants to fight against the things of God. Yeah. Every fiber of our being. And, and what does Paul talk about in a lot of his letters about sexual immorality and, and sexual sin? It is the one he says to flee from. Yes. Right? It's not the one he says to stand up and fight against. Run away from it. Yeah. Because that is one of the most potent, one of the most detrimental, one of the most egregious sin when it comes to its consequences, when it comes to its its damage to your spiritual life. Yeah. Sexual sin is on a different level when yeah. it comes to how much damage it can do, not only physically, but emotionally, and especially spiritually. Yeah. And it is the only sin that you commit against yourself, against someone else. And against God. Right. Whereas if you steal, you're stealing from someone. But not affecting you you're not personal, affecting yeah, your, your physical body. body. Right. Yeah. That's biblical too. So when women are being dressed for church, okay, we are all coming together. Like like I said, being raised this way. Okay. I, I have been trained to negate my eyes. And it's really sad to have to do that throughout my entire week in the world. And then I come to church. And I still, still have, have to, do to keep doing yeah. it. There is an issue. Now, talking, I'm, I'm married, okay? I'm, I'm going on eight years of marriage. And my wife will tell you, women like to be noticed. Women want attention, okay? This is not anything new. I'm not saying anything crazy. I am not crazy. <laughs> women like to be noticed. How do they get noticed? The way they dress. Especially, especially in today's culture. Especially in today's culture. I mean, it, it obviously it was an issue in Paul's culture, too, and in Timothy's time as well. Nothing new under Nothing the new sun. Nothing new under the sun, but when it is inundated, like, every TV show, every commercial, everything yes. on, in the media, everything in, in, in Hollywood, everything in the culture says, women, use your bodies to, to gain attention. Period. Period. Yeah. I don't care about... They can say all this feminism stuff that, that says, you know, we don't... We don't. We want to be more than just our bodies, and you are obviously you are, but you need to dress like that too. Right? Exactly. Yeah. And and as as a brother in Christ, asking our sisters in Christ to help us. Okay, we're men. Yes, we're flawed. Yes, God designed us to be attracted to a woman's body. Okay. Now we're asking for help. So that it is not so hard to to have to negate our eyes from that, and that is not negating our responsibility to treat women with respect, to not treat women as, as objects and, and, mm-hmm. and sex things. Right? That our responsibility is to do that. We are not to see them as just sex objects. We're not to see them as you know beneath us and, and only good for one thing. As men, we are to respect women, love our wives, respect the women in our churches and in our culture and our society. Yes, we have a responsibility in this too. So don't, again, don't hear what I'm not saying in that. We have a responsibility right? as men to not sexualize the women that we're around and that we see. 
and treat them with respect and treat them as as God's daughters and and God's you know the daughters of the King as as Austin likes to say yeah. you know because that's what they are yeah so yes we have we are not negating our responsibility at all yeah. in this however women have responsibility as well yes yes period so there's a tweet uh, by the by a guy by the name of Brian Sauve if you don't know who he is check him out godly man so this is what he says and this was a year two years ago. He says, Dear ladies, there is no reason whatsoever for you to post pictures of yourself in low-cut shirts, bikinis, bra, and underwear, or anything similar. Ever. Not to show your weight loss journey, not to show your newborn baby, not to document your birth story. Sincerely, your brothers. He got so much backlash, even to the point where Beth Moore was tweeting (laughs) back to him. And it was egregious. The point being... As in speaking to Christian women, we, we cannot expect this of non-Christian women. Of course. We're speaking to women who are proclaiming to be daughters of the king. To respect your own bodies. And on Facebook, on Instagram, don't be posting pictures showing cleavage. Don't be posting pictures of you breastfeeding your baby as beautiful as you may think it is. And it is a very beautiful thing. Why? Because God made it that way. But you are putting it out there for everyone to see. And especially for your brothers in Christ, you are presenting a stumbling stone. And, and that's exactly what it is. So we're asking for y'all's help. Now, how is this addressed? Okay, say we are in church and there is a woman with very low-cut <clears throat> dress or a dress shirt, whatever it may be. Very low-cut, very visible. What do we do? Right offhand, the first thing that should be done is the other women in the church should have noticed, and one or two of them should have already gone to her and say, an older woman, it should be an older woman, but a woman should go to her and say, sweetie or honey, look, let me talk to you. Bring, come it over here. This is not good. And this is why. Not a, how dare you bring this low-cut trash into this <laughs> church and tempt all these men. No, there's a right way to do it. Yeah. It is with love. Scripture tells us to do that. And to tell them why. Give them give them the biblical example. Say, this is not good. This is why. Because it, it does this and this and this. And it is not, oh, men are, men are just evil and wicked and they're going to stare at you. And no, you're helping your brothers in Christ. Not being a stumbling stone. Okay? As a man, it's it's already hard, but now you're making it extra hard. And and on top of that, it, it's degrading yourself. Yes, like you're you're putting emphasis and value on on parts that that should only be emphasized and valued by one person. Yes, your husband, and and not everybody else. <laughs> like that's not for yes. everybody else. And and you are then sh- kind of putting out there that I am my body. Yes. And and not not That's what defines you. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's not that's not it. Yeah. That's not it. Well, in going back to scripture, talking about a man's body, okay? I am married. This is no longer my body. My body is my wife's. As well as her body is no longer her own, it is mine. Now in the grand scheme of things, our body is not our own because it is the temple of God. It is a holy temple. I'm just going to go and read that. 
really quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's, and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. So your body is not your own. And when you're dressing this way, especially when we're talking about a, a husband and wife's relationship, say you're not even married, you're showing off something that is not yours and you are giving it to someone else's eyes that it is not theirs. It is supposed to be saved. Having daughters, raising them so that this is not a taboo subject, because this is very taboo in the church. Yeah. Um, just talking about sex in general, talking about the sexual relationship with a husband and wife, it's not talked about in a good way. To be able to speak to our children in this way raise my, ch- my, my daughters up with them understanding that this is, this is a gift that God has given you so that you can give it to your husband. Don't be ashamed of it, but do not treat it as trash. Do not go and flaunt it in front of the world because you're literally showing something that's not yours to show. You are to show it to your husband because it's his. Likewise, husbands that your body is not your own. Why? Because it is your wife. So save it for your right. wife. The, this is not a new concept. This it's is not. this has been here, at least for us to read for the past 2,000 years. <laughs> but this is important. This is so important that Paul is sharing it with Timothy. Why? Timothy, again, is at Ephesus. He is the one who is picking elders for the church at Ephesus. Why? to teach doctrine and to build the church up, building up the saints. Yeah. So he is in a spot of authority. He is there to do these things. He's telling young Timothy, young Timothy, this is not an older man, he's telling a young man to go and tell the women in this church to do this. Yeah. This is big. And I, I think, <clears throat> I'm not going to get on this rabbit trail because this would take us down a whole different path, but I do think the church as a whole, especially in the Western Western culture, has done a disservice when it comes to talking about sex. Yes. Because it's all... Sh- it, the only thing we ever really hear, especially like in youth group and stuff, is don't, don't have sex before you're married. Abstinence. Abstinence, abstinence, which, yes, okay, that is true. That is biblical. That is what we're supposed to do. However, what about the struggle to get there? Yes. We ignore that, right? Mm-hmm. You know... I think that the statistic is something to the effect of the average age of first exposure to pornography is like eight or nine years old. Yeah. That's the average age of, of your first exposure to pornography. Yeah. Well, the church has done a really bad job of addressing that because all they do is just shame. Mm-hmm. Make sure you hide it, hide it, hide it. And, and yes, there should be guilt when it comes to porn because it's not godly. It's not biblical. It's a sin. Yeah. However, when you struggle with it, because guys do and, and girls do, women do too. But when you struggle with it, there's, the church should be a place where you can confess that without the shame and guilt because there was it, but for the grace of God, go I, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, there should be a way to confess this and deal with it appropriately and say, hey, look, this is wrong, but let's deal with it. Let's not cause this, because what that does is that creates 
ultimately deviance, yes. right? Yeah. When you when you just have sex and, and and everything shrouded in shame, it just creates deviance. It creates more sneaky sin. Exactly. It and, causes and, them to want to hide it more. And it makes it worse. Yeah. Yes, we teach abstinence. We teach you know being being pure and, and staying a virgin until you're married. Yes, we teach that and that is what we believe. But when someone messes up, because it's inevitable that we're going to mess up on some level with this. Right. May not be sex, may not be what, but we are going to mess up with this at some point in our lives, period. Yeah. Even if it's by ourselves. <laughs> exactly, yeah. It shouldn't be just this cloak of shame and, and, and you're dirty and you're nasty. No, you're normal, but let's address it. Let's deal with it. Yep. Let, well, let's the, try to fix it. What is the shame for? Shame is a gift from God to lead you to grace. Right. Shame is meant but to... But not the way the church was, is, is exactly, doing that shame, right? Exactly. Not Not that way. Because, again, it makes you more sneaky. Mm-hmm. It makes it makes those taboo subjects a little bit more enticing, especially with our worldly minds. Of like, oh, this must maybe this is really good. And you get your yeah. first tape, you're like, oh, this was really good. Like, why, why is this so bad? And then you have to... Honest conversations, open conversations yes. about it within the church is the right thing to do. And know the scripture to back it up. Yeah. Not just be, oh, it's bad, it's bad. I'm not going to talk about it. No, know, know what the Bible says about it. It's very, very important. All right, jumping back. <laughs> Still in verse 9. Modesty, self-control, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire. So a lot of people just like to point right back to cultural. They go to, oh, well, this is just the culture of the age. And, and okay, yes, there is truth to that, to that. Yes, in Ephesus and even in Corinth and other places, they, the women there would braid their hair in such methodical and fantastic ways. As they're braiding their hair, they would have strands of gold or silver, and they would braid those gold and silver strands in their hair so that you have the gold woven within the hair. There was also golden flakes that they would take and they would press in their hair and pad to now it's like sparkles in their hair. Mm-hmm. And the adornment was gaudy. It was just, look at how much wealth I have. Yep. Look at look at me. And and to the point, you had this within the church. It became you, a distraction. It became how a distraction. God, how, look, how, look how much money I have. Yeah. I can put gold in my hair. Yeah. It, it's exactly what we said a few minutes ago. It is not necessarily not dressing nice and, and dressing appropriately and, and having nice clothing on and modest clothing, it's being gaudy. It's being yes. flashy. It's being, look at this jewelry. Look at this gold. Look at this silver. Like, look at everything I have. Look at what I have. And, yeah. and that's the issue that Paul is fighting with here. And yes. that's the issue we fight today. <clears throat> Maybe not necessarily in our church. I don't even think. I don't remember seeing this being. But I see it in a lot of your health, wealth, and prosperity gospel churches. Yep. Right? Giant rings. Giant rings. Giant Let's Rolex make sure watches. everyone knows that we're rich because we're Christians. We are prospering. Yeah. The the contrast here of, okay, so what you're saying is women aren't allowed to wear makeup. So, you know, actually, I'm not saying that. <laughs> now, there is a layer of makeup, I, I believe, that is gaudy. You're completely painting your face. But what is the point of makeup? Uh, the point of makeup is to accentuate certain areas of your face, to, to embolden the eyes, to embolden the lips. Sure. But there, there is a line. Of course. Again, yeah. not saying don't wear makeup. <laughs> you know what my first thought is? What? 
Do, did you remember? You probably you might even be too young for this. You're if you do you remember the Drew Carey show? No, I never watched it, but I know what you're talking. You know, about. okay. So there, was, my mom used to watch Drew Carey show, and and I've seen it a few times. And I remember there's a character Mimi, one of the characters Mimi, and she just wore what basically looked like clown makeup yeah. to have the attention put on her because of her outrageous makeup choices that she would make. Yeah. And that's the first thought I had when he said that was like, mm. there is a line, and that line is like. Whoa, dude! That's a that's a lot. It's a lot of makeup there. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Google yeah. Google Mimi from True Carey Show. You'll see what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's probably a dude. It's it's not. Oh, I, it, it? No, okay. no, it's not. It's it's it's. I forget her name, but yeah, no, it's okay. not. Well, cool. So anyway, not going overboard, having it serve the purpose, and again, it's not to show yourself. As in, I'm going especially to church. I'm going into church to present myself to people instead of presenting myself to God. And I, I, I would probably put money on, if you're dressing this way, you're not going to give glory to God. You're giving glory to yourself. And, and, and trying to say that with much love, trying to say that to encourage you to, to truly look at what you're wearing, look at how much makeup, how many things you're, you're putting and adorning yourself, okay? To where, as you're going to church, are you truly there to worship God, to be in the presence of God, and to worship with your fellow brothers and sisters? Or are you there as yet another social gathering, right. as a way that you get to show off what you have? And that's not the purpose. Now, once we get under subjection and control of how we are dressing and presenting ourselves at church... All right, so verse 10... In the world, but with life, right? what is proper for women who profess godliness with good works, and so of course this is like the ending to the sentence that started all the way back in verse eight. Uh, and, and honestly, let's just go ahead and read eight through ten, just to you know make sure we get the full sentence. I desire that in every place that men should pray, lifting holy hands without angering, anger or quarreling. Likewise, also that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel. With modesty and self-control, not with braided hair and gold pearls or costly attire, but with what is proper for women who profess godliness with good works. And I think we've covered a lot of this already, you know, talking about the kind of gaudy and the the flashy jewelry and clothing. This says, look at me, look how much wealth I have. But then he adds, with good works. Yes. So, what's that about? Uh, that's a good question. I, for me, I always go back to Titus 2. You know, what are the, the older women in the church supposed to be doing? Uh, teaching the, the younger women how to love their husbands, how to love their, their children, how to be uh, better homemakers, how to do their job within their home and even within the church. But the good works that go along with that is just, you know, the inner workings within the church as well. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, instead of clothing yourselves with the distracting distracting clothing, and the flashy clothing and, and things that draw, you know, clothe yourself with a righteous life where people mm-hmm. look at you and they say, oh, hey, this person lives in a way that is that is different than the world. Yeah. And, and yeah, it goes along with having a righteous life and righteous behavior, yes. right? And, and it's a call to all of us, not just women, but specifically Paul is talking about women to not have those, you know, all the flashiness, all the distractions, but just live a godly life. Yeah. Well, and the good works not being the legalism side of you have to do these works to be saved. But no, it's if you're living a godly life, a righteous life, a 
as we were talking about in, in verse 8 9, a, a holy life, then the good works are going to come from that. As we know that Christ has set up these good works for us for this purpose, that is what we're to be doing. And specifically, he's speaking to the women right now. And it's interesting being that he's speaking to Timothy to speak to the women. Mm-hmm. So herein lies, as the Brits would say, the rub. Who? Are you a soccer fan or something? What are you talking about? Soccer's <laughs> the everywhere. Brits. <laughs> <laughs> Who is teaching these women? Well, Timothy is. A young man is teaching these women. And so it gets into who teaches, who teach the women doctrine, who teach the women theology. It's not other women. The proper way to do it, the biblical way to do it, is men are to be teaching doctrine and theology. More, moreover, it's supposed to be the elders, the, the elders and the pastor. But as of right now, Paul is sending Timothy to establish elders within the church at Ephesus, building the church at Ephesus. But Timothy is also teaching the women, okay? So for me, this leads into when the people come to Brad and I being like, so what gives you the right to tell women what to do? And what gives you the right to think that you get to teach women how to respectfully, you know, address themselves, how to, what to wear? It's like, uh, well, the, the Bible does for one, but, but two, we, we look at Timothy being a young man and being put in this position. And just the fact that men are supposed to be teaching doctrine and theology to everyone. It's, it's not the job for, for women to get together in a women's Bible study, which that is a good thing. Mm-hmm. But to exclude and say, no, it's not a man's job to teach theology to other women. So we're, we're going to take these women and, and do that for them. And that can become very dangerous. In verse 11, this is where we start getting to the whole Paul's a misogynist <laughs> idea, right. right? Exactly. Verse 11 and 12, because, and I'm going to read both because 12 really kind of answers and responds to 11, right? It's, it's, it's two sentences, two verses, but one complete thought here. Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. And, and I'll look at this word that we translate into let learn, okay? So let a woman learn, so let learn. It's an imperative. It, it's The Greek word is an imperative word. So Paul is commanding the women to learn. It is not a, you should learn, or should permit them to learn. He's like, no, no, they are learning. They need to learn. They are to learn, and this is how they're to learn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're to learn, you know, quietly with all submissiveness. And, and it's... This characterizes the role of, of, of women within a church assembly, within the body of believers, within, in, in our society, our culture, the way we do church, within a Sunday morning setting, right? This is what they are to line up under and, and, and to be, I, I even hesitate to say this because it does in our, in, our, in our minds, it sounds so harsh, but to be quiet and learn and be under submission to the pastor who's up there teaching. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's the Bible. That's what the Bible says. That's what it's mm. very clear in this moment. And and you know, again, Paul is specifically talking about women in this moment. Don't hear what he's not saying. Okay, he's not saying that the men then within the church body that aren't teaching need to be up and talking and interrupting and and interjecting. That's not it either. Like that's not what we're talking about here. Again, don't read into things that Paul's not putting in there. Right. right? So yes. 
in a church service, it is appropriate for both men and women to be quiet and listen to the pastor and to be respectful of the pastor who's preaching the word. So I just want to throw that out there. But in this moment right here where Paul is talking about is that women are to, are, are to be quiet within the, within the service and to submit to the authority of the pastor. Yes. And listen to his teachings and learn under him. Yeah. Well, and, okay, getting context of nowadays when we are in church, and depending on what church you're in, you say you're in a smaller church setting with 30 to 50 people, but then you get into um, our church where we probably got 100 or 150, or 200, something yeah. in that range. Yeah. And then you get bigger, and it's several hundred. So the mindset is, well, yeah, that's kind of preposterous. No, you wouldn't stand up and say something in the service. Of course not. Well, during this time, they're meeting within homes. Mm-hmm. They're meeting with families of 5 to 10, maybe 15. They didn't have vehicles to take them two towns over to go to their church, right? Like, they are meeting within their community because they had to walk. Yeah, exactly. And a, a lot of times, we, you would have, okay, yes, talking about orderly worship, which that's biblical too. Uh, being able to worship together in order, and worship not just meaning, you know, singing, but it's also within the context of teaching. It's all of it together. And so you have whoever is is kind of leading the progression, leading through the writings. You know, say you have a church and they're going through a a letter of that what Paul sent them. Or they're just going through the Old Testament, whatever it may be. Some of the men would pipe up and they'd have a question. Okay? So in this context, Paul is saying, okay, women are not to do that. Now, we also see in other portions of Paul's writings what the women are to do. And here in Timothy, they're, they're to remain silent, but they're supposed to go to their husbands afterwards. They're supposed to go to their husbands with that question that they have. And why? Well, the purpose is so that it spurs their husbands to get deeper into the word, to learn the, the questions that his wife is having. And if he can't find out, he then goes to the minister or whoever is progressing the, the sermon here so that he can ask the question and he learns. Let's look at the culture of, those t- of that time anyway. This idea of women learning is kind of a novel idea in it that is. culture. Oh, yeah. Because even the, the Jewish culture, but even in the, the Greek and Roman culture, women weren't really held in high regard. And so this idea of women being permitted to learn and to be taught and to discover the things of God and discover the scriptures was kind of new to them. Mm-hmm. And I think what's happening partially, too, is Paul and, and Timothy are, are kind of dealing with this idea of, okay, all of a sudden the women are being held in, in, in some sort of regard and esteem, and they say, okay, we're allowed to learn now. Yeah. But then they take it a little further and say, well, now let, let us, let's teach, too, mm-hmm. and let's interject, and let's be... And that, and Paul's like, wait a minute, like that's still not the biblical way to do things. That's still not the the proper uh, hierarchy, so to speak, of yes. of of spiritual leadership. And so, yes, women and men, as far as in the eyes of God and in the eyes of of worthy of salvation and so on and so forth, we're not. But saying like within all that, we are equal. We are the same in in that regard. But we have different roles. Yes. And Paul is just defining the roles and saying, okay here is what the man is supposed to do, here's what the woman is supposed to do. Now, he doesn't get into specifically what the women are supposed to be doing as far as their roles are in this particular verse, in in chapter where we are right now, but they, he does, though. In, in other areas, he does lay out the woman's role within the church, within the home, within the family. Mm-hmm. 
so absolutely women are held in high regard and it's not a it's it's equal but different in roles yeah it is really what this is so it's not a misogyny thing it's not a sexist thing it's a Here's the proper order. Here's how God designed it. This is what the Bible Which, by says. the way, is why we probably don't like it, because our human nature says, <laughs> I don't want things of God, so this can't be right. Right. Right? Right. <clears throat> so, but again, it is just, it's a novel idea to them in this time and in this century of like, oh, wait, we're allowed to learn. Yeah. I mean, you look at it, modern day Islam is still that way, oh, right? Yeah. Women are not held in high regard. And they have to be covered in the more fundamental side of things. Have to be covered with just their eyes showing yeah. when they're not. Was it with their when they're not with their husband? I think is what it is. I don't know. E- either way, they they are not held in very high esteem, and they're not yeah. permitted to do certain things, and not permitted to drive, not permitted to you know learn and and read scripture. That's not what Paul's saying. Paul's saying no, no, no. We need we need women to learn. Mm-hmm. Not only need it, we're he is commanding that women learn. Yes. So he is absolutely putting them on a higher pedestal than what the people in their culture were doing in at the, in those days. Yeah. Well, and again, so he's he's telling Timothy these instructions. He's telling him these things to p- better further that church at Ephesus and whatever church he might be going to because I'm pretty sure Timothy just didn't stop here. I'm sure right. he went and we see that in Acts. Um Timothy went several places with Paul. So, he's commanding the women, but he's also telling Timothy to Tell the men, let the women learn. Right. This, yes, this is a requirement. Yes. And, but there's an order to it. Let the women learn, learn quietly. Now, this is within the context of that, that church setting. As the, I guess you could say sermon, the sermon's being taught, whoever's teaching the biblical truths at the time, it's, they're, they're staying quiet. And but, it, and they're not usurping the roles of the elders yes. and, and pastors by teaching. Right. But it was also an issue. It was an issue at Ephesus because you go and read Ephesians and read through chapter 5. There was a submission issue for the women there to the men. And we can see some of that was because the men were were being weak. They were kind of giving up their role and the women were taking it. And many times he's instructing the men also, be men, take control, take your role Therefore, the women can fall into line, as in he says in chapter 5, it's like, you are one flesh. You are one. So act like it. But the hierarchy, there is a hierarchy. Patriarchy is good. Yeah. Father rule. I, yeah. And so we continue on in, in verse 12. I do not permit a woman to teach or exercise any authority over a man. Whether she is, rather, she is to remain quiet. And, and it, again, I think Austin just mentioned this. Maybe this was something they were dealing with in Ephesus, where there were women who wanted to teach. And, and Paul is specifically saying, no, like we are not, women are not to basically fill the role of pastor or teacher. Yeah. He he does not exclude them from teaching in certain areas. I mean, you see that back in Acts and, and even in, um, oh, where is it? Well, Titus 2. Titus, exactly, thank you. Yeah, exactly thank you. where they're supposed to do it at. Yeah. And I think Austin is turning there as we speak. Are you? Uh, I was looking. I was actually going to Peter. <laughs> oh. You want me to go to Titus? You can if you want. All right, I'll go to Titus. Titus 2. <laughs> Titus chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Mm-hmm. Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. So, do you see that same word in there? You see the word? Where Teaching. So Paul is not putting a lid on this teaching thing as a whole, right? 
he is putting parameters, putting boundaries. And and what do we hate as humans? We hate boundaries, right? right. As 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 uh, our human nature does not enjoy boundaries and rules. But that's what Paul's doing. He puts boundaries and rules on men, on on who can be elders, who can be pastors, who can be teachers. Puts elders on women, who can where they are able to teach, where they are able to lead, what they're able to teach and lead. So yes, there is a role for women in children. So again, it's not a prohibitive thing. It is yes. just a let's do it within these proper parameters that God has designed. Yeah. That, that, to me, that's that's almost liberating. Of like, hey, let's do the the way God wants us to do it. Yeah. And it's not sexist. It's not misogynist. It's not whatever. It's just the way God designed it. Yeah. And guess what? When we do it the way God designs, surprise, surprise, we're going to find that it works a lot better. <laughs> exactly. Things go so much smoother. smoother. <laughs> yes. No, so I, I was just going to go to First Peter chapter 3. Uh, the context of everyone saying that uh, Paul was misogynistic and so on and so forth. Well, let's go to Peter. Let's see what Peter has to say. Chapter 3, uh, verse, verse 3. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable be- imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children, if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. So again, it is not just Paul, but the, the beautiful part of this section is when people start diving into, oh, well, this was a cultural thing. Uh, Paul was only talking to the women of Ephesus at this time. Well, okay, what does Paul then get into? What is his foundation for this entire argument? He goes back to creation. Mm-hmm. So therefore, it completely obliterates the whole context argument of culture. So he gets into verse 13. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Yet she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. So he is appealing to the foundations of the earth. He's appealing to literally what God set up from the foundations of the earth. I like. I really like what MacArthur says here. It says that that this this hierarchy or this this role structure that God has put into place is not the result of the fall or some cultural chauvinistic corruption of God's perfect plan. Yes, Paul's trying to point us back to God's perfect plan. Yes, he's trying to point us back to this is the this is the way it was set up. This is the order. I've said this so many times on this podcast. God is a God of order. He's not a god of chaos. He's not a god of god of confusion. And this is how he ordered creation. How he ordered the roles between male and female. Yeah. When people argue about how, you know, patriarchy is evil and hierarchy is is wrong and and when what Paul is doing is he's going back to the foundation before the fall and saying, "No, before sin entered the world, this is how God wanted it." Patriarchy meaning father rule as in based off of our father in heaven ruling, fathers are supposed to be ruling as well. Uh, I forgot what the actual word meant for, it's the word that most people actually don't like the rule of. It's man rule. Uh, oh man, I forgot what that's called. 
So there are two different words. The the one patriarchy meaning father rule. The other one I, I can't remember what it is. But that is the one that people have the issue with. It's it's the the rule of just man and the thought process of no, it's it's evil men. So when you have an issue with patriarchy, it's not the rule. It's the exception to the rule that the the men that are doing it wrong, the men that are doing it in a sinful way, that is not the way that God wants it to be done. And the way that God wants it to be done, he lays out throughout scripture. And we have to go back to scripture to what trying to discern what is pleasing to God. And Paul is laying out what's pleasing to God. And hence, he's going back to creation. So, Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. There was a reason why Satan went to Eve instead of Adam. Okay, There was a reason why Satan, the serpent, went to Eve and tempted her with these things. And then later we see what one of the, the curses that God is laying down. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that God is presenting to the woman is your, your want and your desire will be for your husband. Now, a lot of people take that as, you know, your desire will be for him as in you'll want him. Well, no. The, the Hebrew word there is your desire will be for what he has. Your desire will be for his rule. His job, you are going to want it. And we actually see that same word just a few chapters later when it's talking about Cain and Abel. Hmm. And women, when they are left to their own devices, sinful devices, they are going to want to take that role. And, it, and it's going to take the Holy Spirit. It's going to take God helping them saying, no, this is your role. But then it also is going to take a strong patriarchal father figure and their husband to say, look, I'm taking, I'm taking my role and I am going to fulfill that role so that you don't have that need to even jump in to do that. So let me ask you this. You see this, you know, Adam was formed first and Eve. Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived. It is, is Paul, because this is what you're going to hear, is Paul putting all the blame of the fall on Eve? Mm, that's a good question. I don't believe so. Even going back to what uh, Peter says, Peter calls women the weaker sex. As in not that, oh, they're little weak things that need to be propped up and held up. And Well, no, there's a proper way to do it. But Peter using that they are the weaker sex is literally God made them weaker than men. Men are built for battle. Men are built for hardship. Men are built to go out into the wilderness and excavate and take dominion over these things. And Satan knew that. Mm. And hence, that's why he went for, for Eve instead of Adam. And I think the answer is unequivocally no, because just look at Romans 5, verse 12, where Paul, who wrote Romans, also writing to Timothy, says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, yes, and death through sin so spread to all men because all sinned, one man. He didn't call out Eve. He didn't say Eve is the reason why sin and man. Yes. And, and while Eve's sin was that direct, deliberate disobedience where of eating the fruit, I argue a banana. Um, <laughs> that was that joke was supposed to be funny. I'm I don't know. Smiling. I know you're smiling, but I didn't get it. I'm letting you finish your thought. It's fine. But no, it, yes, that was her sin. Adam's sin was letting it happen. Yes. Not stepping in and being the leader, being the, ma- the the leader, the protector of the house, protector of the family, to protect her against 
Satan's temptations. He should have killed the snake. That is where he fell short. And then, of course, he ate the fruit as well, which, of course, is that deliberate disobedience. And he followed her lead instead of taking the lead. And that's where Adamson came into place. And that's where, ultimately, that... The, the, the total depravity shows up yeah. and, and first appears. Well, and, so, and that's interesting. So here in Timothy, when when Eve sins, all it says is she became a transgressor. Okay? Well, there's only two people in the garden at that point, right? Mm-hmm. So she eats. She becomes a transgressor. Then it says, then she turns to her husband, who was there with her, yep. and gives it to him. Okay? Well, nothing had happened yet. She ate. God said, as soon as you eat, you shall surely die. But nothing happened yet. She turned. She gave it to her husband, said it was good to eat. And so he ate it. And then what happened? Then, at that moment, they both knew that they were naked. Right. There was a delay. There was a delay for her eating to him eating. And then the realization. I always found that interesting. So and that that's a deeper deeper theological <laughs> deep, conversation. It's a deep conversation, yeah. Because yeah. it's like, so do you? What you're saying is, if Adam never ate, but Eve ate, would sin actually have entered the, the world? And and we're not going to get into that because that's huge. <laughs> um, <laughs> and also, kind of not. not I, would, I don't want to say irrelevant, but yeah, kind of doesn't matter. It doesn't like, matter. Sin's here. It's a it's a fun conversation. It's just a conversation, and it's interesting. Yeah. It is, yeah. yeah for but sure. really, the thing that I always point to is that it says, and then she turned. Yeah. And gave it to her husband. So I've always read that as, no, Adam was there with her. He, not, he could have stopped it. Yes. He could have stopped not it. Not as in like he was down the lane in the garden somewhere and she moseyed over to him and said, hey, check out this super cool food. <laughs> she wasn't isolated. Yeah. By, yeah. And, and it truly was, yeah, sure, she sinned by eating the fruit. But he stepped out of his role. He should have been there defending his wife. He should have been there stepping in front of her saying, excuse me, who are you and why are you talking to my wife? Get get out of the garden. You're not supposed to be here. This is my domain. I am taking care of the garden. This is my wife. My flesh, be gone. Be gone. So he, and sin hadn't entered the world, sure, but I, I liken it to sin as in he stepped out of his role. Anyway, moving on. Verse 15, yet she will be saved through childbearing. If they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. So is this saying that a woman is only going to be saved if she has children? No. No, no it's no, not. No, 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 no. This no, is no, no. literally, okay, he's referring back to creation. He's referring back to Adam and Eve. When God looks at Eve and says, you will be saved through childbearing, what is he saying? This is one of the first prophecies that we see in Scripture. This is the first prophecy about Jesus. God is looking at Eve saying, you are going to be saved through childbearing. There is going to be one that comes from you that is going to save you. And when we look at at that whole portion right there, you know, when they have Cain, okay, are they looking at Cain as this one that's going to save them? And then Abel's born. Okay, is Abel going to save us? Well, they're all sinful. Well, Okay, and then Cain kills Abel. Well, now Abel's gone. Crud, now what? (laughs) Now what? And then God gives them Seth. And so this thing of, okay, well, maybe Seth is going to be the one that saves us. Well, no, Seth is just as sinful as all the rest of our great-great-great-great-great-great-grandchildren. But it's a promise. It is a promise, and they are hoping. 
And we see it through Jesus. Jesus is the one that comes from Eve. Okay, not Adam, from Eve. Joseph was not the, the true father of Adam, but Mary was the true mother of Adam, or true mother of uh, Jesus, sorry. So women are saved through the childbearing and the birth of Jesus. And I kind of like what MacArthur says here, too. He says something to the effect of that that women are able to almost reverse the stigma of that sinful nature by raising godly children. Yes. By by raising up a generation of, of children who fear the Lord and who will fight the battles, much as is the goal of Austin and, and his wife Emily, is to raise godly children to have children who can change their culture. Right. Yes. Maybe not. I mean, maybe they do change the world. I don't know. But at least to change their culture and to change the mindset of the people that they interact with and that they have dealings with and, and, yeah. can, and can fight the fight, the cultural fight, the spiritual fight, all of that. That is what Paul is teaching here. He's yes. teaching you guys. You, you can help. I, I, don't, I don't know if this is the right way to say it, but it's like you can help not necessarily undo what Eve did because that's not going to happen this side of heaven. But you can like, you can put a little dent in that by raising up godly children. Yes. Hence the, the Holy spirit within them. And and I love it because then he puts in, if, if they continue in what, if they continue in faith and love and holiness and self control, this is just going back through scripture. This is going back to what all of us are supposed to be doing, but he's directing it. He's, he's showing Timothy how to best lead these people and specifically the women within these mm-hmm. churches. And he's, he's telling them through faith, build up their faith through love, teach them how to love one another. The older women like Titus too, it's teach the younger women how to love their husbands and love their children through holiness. Going back to the men, I desire then that in every place, the men should pray lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling the the whole presenting your body as a holy sacrifice as a temple to god and you are doing it through holiness not because of anything you've done but because christ has made you holy so do it and then with self control going back to titus 2 literally one of the only things that paul is telling titus to have the older men teach the younger men is self control why because self control is an umbrella that has so many things underneath it. Self-control teaches you how to temper your your lusts and your desires. Self-control teaches you how to control your appetite, how to control your your desires, everything. Self-control. And it's the same way same way with the women as well. Otherwise known as controlling yourself. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Six and one half dozen. That's right. Minutes. Yeah, that's fine. So that, I mean, that brings us to the end of 1 Timothy chapter 2, and I think a, a chapter that we can all take something from, and, and we can all look at, and hopefully with the perspective of this isn't sexist, right? This isn't chauvinistic. This, this is, is just freeing. the proper order that God designed from the beginning, from the foundation of the world, that men and women are equal, but have different roles. Yes. Like, it has nothing to do with equality and one being better than the other and yada, yada, yada. It's just... We are made and set up to have different roles, yeah. Within the church, within the family, just period. Different. It's yeah. again. There's a reason why men are stronger physically 
but women are better usually at the emotional side of things, right? And the nurturing side of things. They are better at being softer towards children than men are. A hundred percent. And and that there's a reason why we have differences. Men and women are different, and that's a God given thing. Because if they weren't, then things get confused. Yeah. If they weren't different, then we will then say that men can get pregnant. Hmm. Right? Hmm. And that women have male parts. Like right. that that's when this breaks down, this is the inevitable ending point. I might not be able to have a baby, but I want the right to have a baby. (laughs) (laughs) So let's stop fighting this and start seeing it for what it is as a order that God has ordained and created and that will be restored eventually at the end of the age. It'll be restored. This order will be perfect again. Yes. And we'll realize, oh, man, that's how it should have been all along. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You know? yeah. So... Anyway, that is First Timothy chapter 2. We want to thank you all for listening. I think maybe next week we're, we'll do a topic of some sort. I don't know quite what yet. We're going to probably talk about that before we leave today. <laughs> Figure out what we want to discuss and, and kind of get into something else. Try and do, you know, kind of take a pause from the Bible, from the Scripture, uh, you know, diving deeply into Scripture for a minute and talk about some sort of cultural or, or even Christian topic that, like, needs to be explored, and, and we want to expound on, yeah. similar to what we do with Advent and all that stuff. And if you listen to our show, you know what we do. Yeah. And uh, so that's kind of the game plan. So we'll be back for that. Do us a favor. Jump on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, website, rootedinlogospod.com, patreon.com slash rootedinlogos. Support us if you feel led to. That'd be amazing. We are looking at other avenues to maybe do some one-time donations if you're interested in that. We're going to kind of look through that and see, explore those options. More details on that later. And just give us a like, give us a five-star review, subscribe to us, have any questions, interact with us, shoot us a message on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, email. We have it all. You can, you can, we have so many avenues. Oh, yeah. You can talk to us. Uh, text us if you know us. We'll talk to you that way, too. There you go. I mean, if you don't know us, don't text us, because then how would you have our number? That'd be weird. <laughs> anyway, but, uh, so we thank you all so much for listening, and we look forward to getting back with you guys next week. In the meantime, stay rooted. <laughs>